0: Hey guys, it's Allie. Welcome back to Infertile Life, the podcast. This is episode 259 called Khalid Katali. All right, guys, before we get started, I just want to remind everybody that my first children's book is out. It is called Work of Art. It's a story of an IVF kiddo learning that he is a work of art born through IVF and assisted reproductive technology. If you want to check it out, you can go to com slash books, Again, that's infertileafgroup.com slash books. I have a very small number of personalized numbered copies left, and those will ship for free in the U.S. And then I have an unlimited number of non-personalized copies. So definitely check it out. It is a love letter to both of my kids, and I would love for you guys to have it. Thanks to everybody who's already purchased it and embraced it and posted about it. And I would love for you guys to have it in your hands too. So go to infertileafgroup.com slash books. Thanks so much. Okay, guys, my guest today is the sperm king. It's Khalid Katali, and he's the founder and CEO of Legacy, which is the largest male fertility clinic in North America. They have had some really big name investors, including Justin Bieber and DJ Khaled and The Weeknd and Orlando Bloom, to name a few. And today I'm gonna talk to him about his own family building journey and how an accident with a scalding hot cup of tea in his lap ultimately led to him creating legacy. So it's a really interesting story. We're gonna talk about at-home sperm testing and freezing, sperm storage, male factor infertility, and so many other things. So without further ado, this is Khaled's Infertility Story. Oh my gosh. Hi, I'm so excited to talk to you today. Thank you so much for doing this.
1: (laughs) My pleasure, Ellie. It's really great to be here and uh, thank you for having me.
0: Thank you for doing this. I know you're so busy and you've got some really, really cool things going on with Legacy. We're going to get into all of that, but I always like to talk to my guests about family building first and foremost. So growing up, have you always wanted to build a family and have you always wanted to be a dad?
1: Yeah, I'm probably in the minority for guys where i knew from a pretty young age that i wanted to have kids so even in university you know i always envisioned myself as someday being kind of that husband and father and i remember in i think it my second or third year i came across a bunch of articles about how to be a good parent or how to raise good kids and i just remember thinking to myself well someday this might be useful and i started an evernote folder uh, or I used to drag and drop articles thinking that, hey, someday this will come in handy. Because to me, it's not just about being a dad. Anyone, just about anyone can be a dad. Um, but it's about being a good dad. And it's about, you know, your parents tried to raise you a little bit better than they were raised, right? And I'd love to raise my little, my, my kids a little bit better than I was raised. And, you know, I I think that's a distinction to me of how, how can you be a good parent, not just a parent.
0: Okay, what were some of the articles do you remember, or some of the like tenets of the article? Like, what the, were some? Of the things
1: you the one into? that I remember the most clearly was about how to praise your children to reinforce behaviors, and it was that you should never praise kids for the outcome. They should, you should always praise your kids for doing the work. So, not, I'm so proud of you for getting a hundred on your test, but I'm so proud that you worked so hard and you put in the effort, and that the outcome was a hundred. And just the distinction because. In a similar vein if you're reminding your kids all the time that they're smart right eventually they will become afraid of failing and if they try something for the first time they're not naturally good at it well they've been told all their lives that they're smart and so they're much more likely to give up on that um, activity altogether versus telling them hey i'm proud of you for being a hard worker
0: Mm -hmm. yeah i've been reading one lately too where it was like Instead of saying, I'm so proud of you for doing X, mm. Y, and Z, you should say, you should feel very proud of yourself so that they right. don't feel like the, you know, that right. they please somebody. Right. to feel that. So I thought well, that was- I,
1: I also think, and I, I'm i seeing it now. So uh, my brother and his wife recently had an, an adorable daughter. She's a little over a year old. And I also see firsthand that when you actually do have your own kid or your own kids, you are so caught up in the exhaustion- and the sleep deprivation and the just trying to get by that I feel like you kind of should have done this work beforehand because, you know, it takes some time to sink in uh, and you're not really going to be in the headspace. You're not going to be in the headspace to say, hey, let me spend an hour a day learning. No, mm-hmm. you're saying, hey, let's spend 24 hours a day surviving.
0: Totally. You're like hanging out by a string. <laughs> I try Basically. to do it now. I'm like, yep. well, I have a teenager and an eight-year-old and I'm trying to like listen to podcasts as I'm in the car, but I'm like, oh, I should have done yeah. this before. So you're doing the right thing because you don't right. have kids yet, right?
1: <laughs> Not that I know of.
0: Okay. <laughs> so tell me, um, <laughs> as of this moment, what kind of family do you <laughs> see yourself having like in a perfect yeah. world?
1: Something I find very interesting is people default to wanting the same number of kids as they were. Okay. So you ask someone where they were two siblings in the family, how many Kids they want to have, they default to saying two. So when, if they grew up in a family of four, they typically want bigger families. And it's interesting because whatever we grew up in, we just see as the norm and the default and the standard. Um, and So historically, I kind of wanted to have two kids because it's me and my older brother. But as I've gotten to learn more as I got older, I think there's something beautiful about having more kids too. There's much more complex dynamics, I think, if you have three or four versus two. But the, but the thing that I like the most about being just two kids is you are stuck with each other for better or for worse. There's no one else. There's nowhere else. I have to love my brother. He has to love me. Uh, and there's something somehow reassuring about that.
0: Mm-hmm. I think there's something to be said mm. too, for like, as your parents get older, you have that sibling to help you out. hundred
1: percent. Is- I just, I, I I would not want to be an only child and I would not want to have an only child. I think that's fine, but I think it's, The social norms and traits you pick up on having a sibling, you then have to learn those at an older age. I think you're just, I think you're putting your kids in a kid in a disadvantaged position by doing that.
0: Interesting. Yeah. So let's talk about sex education. What did you learn in school growing up just about having (laughs) babies and, you know, pregnancy and fertility and all that? You know, we talk a lot on this show about the lack thereof and how like I myself found myself in this position where late thirties, I was trying to have my second kid Mm. and I was like, what the fuck? It's not happening. I didn't realize that I had to do it sooner. Like, what did you know?
1: Yeah. So I grew up between Lebanon and Canada and I mean, basically had zero sex education. I remember when I turned 13, my mom bought me a couple of books, one of which the the, the name of the title is seared into my head. The, The title was what's happening to my body. And it's just about the most awkward thing that you can get from your mother. But my dad was traveling at the time and I was going through kind of that, you know, pubescent anxiety, I guess. And she left a very sweet note. She said, you know, Habibi, I'm here if you want to talk about it. But otherwise, we don't ever have to bring this up. Yeah. And and, and actually, it was such a valuable book because it explained so many things that I had no idea how to understand. Um, But that was The Limit of My Sex Education. And pretty
0: good title, though.
1: Yeah. I mean... you know, self-explanatory.
0: Right.
1: And what I find so interesting is now we meet all these, you know, men or people with sperm who are in their early thirties trying to have kids. And all they've ever been taught is about abstinence and contraception. And this idea that one accident and boom, it's all over. Yep. Like you are going to have a child, zero information about ovulation windows or or, or fertile windows, zero knowledge about sperm count declines, zero knowledge about, you know, on a monthly basis, there's a percentage likelihood that you would be able to have a child if you're, you know, actively trying. Just none of that. Men and people with sperm just assume that they can have kids whenever they want. And basically it's a one and done. Yeah. And the reality is so different than that. And that's right. not even a, you know, sex education in high school. These are people in university and masters and PhDs who have no idea.
0: Yeah, no, same. And, you know, on the yeah. female side of it too, it's like, don't get pregnant. Don't get pregnant. It's so easy to get pregnant. You do
1: it. Don't one pregnant.
0: Accident. Just don't get
1: pregnant. One accident, yeah. it's all over.
0: Right. Exactly. No. Exactly. So I'm going to flash forward a little bit. There's the sure. anecdote about you that came out in New York mag that I'm sure so many people who know about you have read. When you were, you know, 2014, you're on a work trip, you spilled scalding hot tea in your lap yeah. um, and that kind of led in, I guess, in a roundabout way, you yeah. know, to where you are now. So can you tell me about yeah. what happened then? You you went to the medical clinic, yeah. didn't have a burn unit.
1: The, no burn unit. I'm in the middle of Tulsa, Oklahoma. I'm far from home. I'm on a client project, you know, um, my, my, the, like the, the skin of my thighs have been ripped clean off. I got second degree burns. It was really bad. It was really painful. Uh, and thankfully second degree burns do heal, you know, but it took a month and a half I was hospitalized, it was bad.
0: Were you and, immediately worried about your fertility?
1: I mean, it was right in the crotch area. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, I think I think it's a very very natural reaction. And my my instinctual thought was well, and keep in mind, I knew I wanted to have kids from a young age, so I'm sitting here thinking to myself, you know, what if this had caused permanent damage? Right. What if it had been more serious burns, the kind of severe burns uh, that some people can't come back from? And, you know, a lot of people have said, oh, you should have sued Starbucks. It was actually a Starbucks coffee and tea. You should have sued Starbucks. What what about that McDonald's case? And if you actually look into the stats of the McDonald's case, the woman who successfully sued McDonald's for millions of dollars, I mean, she would not even be able to have sex, let alone have children, like the level of deformity. And the permanence of what happened was just terrifying. And so you're going through a very painful experience and you're asking yourself, okay, well, thank God this wasn't worse.
0: And then, so you had a friend too, who was going yeah. through chemo and froze his sperm. Was that when That's you right. kind of started thinking about.
1: Doing yeah, it, yeah. Was, it was. And it was right around that time. he's telling me the story of, you know, uh, his doctor recommended that he bank his sperm. I didn't know that sperm banking was a concept. I didn't know that it existed. Right. And. I, you know, at that point I'd moved to Cambridge, Massachusetts. So I Google local sperm bank in Cambridge, Massachusetts. I find, you know, the local sperm bank, which was right next door to my favorite Chinese restaurant, you know, so, so immaculate vibes kind of (laughs) coming in and out and you go through the process and you're basically, you know, they hand you the specimen cup. They, they, they refer to your sperm as the specimen. They take you to a small room, you know, you have 10 minutes to produce the sample you know, uh, you've got like that black leather couch, you've got sticky right. porn magazines on the table. Yeah, you yeah. don't want to touch anything, right? You kind of turn off the light, but then, you know, there's a gap at the bottom of the door. So you can <laughs> see the shadows of people walking by they're They're talking and laughing. It's a normal day for them. And you're sitting in there thinking, oh my God, I only have eight minutes left to finish totally, the process. The pressure.
0: Yes, and the
1: skeeziness
0: um, of it all it was like
1: very skeezy, and then you're waiting for your results for a week or two, right? It's just the whole thing, and it took weeks to set up an appointment. Um, and I compare and contrast that to the way that we're able to do things, where you know, you order a kit, you get it the next day, maybe the day after. You send it back, you get your results the next day, maybe the day after. Sure, that fast, that easy. You do it from home.
0: It's brilliant. So, okay, so you're at Harvard. Is yeah. this when you, I love how people go yeah. to say Cambridge. It's like, we know. <laughs> oh, no,
1: sure, sure, sure.
0: <laughs> um, but so you, sure. is this when you started mm-hmm. thinking about the field of reproductive yeah. medicine and how you could make a difference? You know, you weren't impressed with the lab or the methods and you're like, okay, yeah.
1: change. I was so fixated on the disconnect between how profound it felt. And I remember I got my results back and I was basically cleared like, yes, you will be able to have kids in the future. We've frozen your sperm, you're all set. It felt so profound and so big and so real. And then you contrast that with like the weird skeevy, you know, masturbating in a small room at a clinic and they were just worlds apart. This is what set me down the path of learning about sperm, taking courses. That's where I picked up the nickname, the Sperm King for my friends. I uh, call because you that. <laughs> you know, everyone can call me that. Uh, so I fun fact, I purchased the URL spermking.com. Recently. I know. It, re, it redirects to my LinkedIn.
0: I, I tried it this morning. Yeah. I was like, does it nice. still work? So everybody nice. listening, if you go to spermking.com, it takes... <laughs> your LinkedIn page, which is brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> um, I'm surprised that it was available. Were you shocked when you put it in? Oh, I had in? to buy
1: it. Oh, I had to buy it. I had well, to buy it. Cost, yeah, yeah. Oh,
0: you bought it from somebody.
1: I bought it from someone else. Yeah. Cost a couple of grand. Okay. Gotcha. Worth gotcha. It. Totally worth
0: it. So worth it. So, um, tell yeah. me when, you know, that's when you started diving into the world of, you know, reproductive medicine and sperm and all that. What did you, what were some of the things that you learned that you didn't No, at all, like blew your mind. Oh my God.
1: I mean, I think the first was just the statistic that one in six couples face infertility. So the WHO just launched a large global study, finding that about one in six couples is unable to conceive after 12 months of trying, um, six months if you're 35 or if the female partner is 35 or older, but you know, one in six are infertile. That really surprised me because I always assumed it was kind of a one and done right? That's yeah, one.
0: Be. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: Exactly. Oh. The second is that in those cases, half of the infertility is coming from the male side of the equation. Yeah, You need a healthy sperm and a healthy egg. It takes two to tango. But again, we only talk about fertility as a women's issue. We only talk about the female biological clock. We only ever talk about how women need to you know, have kids by a certain age. But hey, guess what? Men do as well. That fact really surprised me. I really did not know that. And I think the average man doesn't really know that either. And the third was just how fascinating sperm is yeah. you know the average man is producing at least tens of millions 39 million or more sperm count, right but all it takes is one yeah. and the vast majority of your sperm, by the way, the vast vast majority of your sperm are abnormal. they you have they have two heads or they swim in circles or you know they're abnormally sized. Um, so the vast majority of your sperm aren't even normal you know and just the journey they have to go to, to ultimately fertilize the egg. I don't think anybody actually thinks about that. And, you know, and and and, and the line I always say is, sperm is funny until it's not. Mm. And it's such a, you know, men are used to making locker room jokes about sperm. Yeah. You know, it's kind of a funny thing. But then when you're trying to have a child with a person you love, right? right or you're trying to bring a baby into the world, it's a very serious topic. Right. And I think I I always felt a bit of like whiplash because on the one hand, I'm learning about this this thing, the sperm, the semen that is so important to having a healthy family, but people just want to make, you know, part of my language, people just want to make dick jokes. Yeah. And what I found very quickly is that people match your tone. And so if you are joking about sperm, then they will joke with you. But if you are talking seriously about it, they just need to make one joke. Mm-hmm. Every guy just needs to make one joke about sperm. And after that, they will take it seriously with you.
0: Like they have to get it out of their system. Yep. They have to
1: get it out of their system. Exactly. Oh, really? Exactly. No, no do But yes. a couple of
0: things you said. First of all,
1: yeah.
0: the notion, the outdated notion that fertility is a women's issue. You know, yeah. you guys, your whole team at legacy and you yourself are doing a lot to combat that, you know, outdated notion. Tell me a little bit more about that. How are you guys like yeah. making normalizing the conversation and making yeah. it more of, you know, an equally balanced thing? Because as a woman, you know, we've, we 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 do take on a lot of that guilt and a lot of that, you know, I I have infertility rally. We have over 500 members and so many of them, it's a male factor infertility problem, you know, but it's the women that are coming to the groups and the women that are talking about it. So what are you guys doing to like bring some.
1: And and by the way, for for couples that are trying to have kids, kind of the TTC community, um, when they're coming and buying a semen analysis from us, a basic or advanced semen analysis, half the time it is the female partner. Right, assuming it's a heterosexual couple, but half the time it is a female partner actually going through the purchasing journey and flow. And sometimes it, it's a you know, it's sometimes it's to the extent that the male will say, "Hey, your kit just arrived at my door. My wife read through the instructions, told me what to do, and I'm sending my sample back." Right, and so so men are just so far removed from the family planning process sometimes, and that's how it feels. And that's also true of healthcare in general, right? Uh, yeah. Women, I think, have eighty percent of the medical spend I in was household. I say
0: that I, that right? yeah, women are the chief the medical we officers about that of the. Before, that women uh, make.
1: Probably medical. in my Evernote folder somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay.
0: Medical decisions. Yeah.
1: Or very like- much so, and and so we find that men are just further removed from the process, and you know what we try to do is. Our view is if you make a product that is branded in a way that makes men feel comfortable, right, that is priced at an affordable price point, that is accessible and easy to do from home, right, and gives you interesting and valuable information about your sperm and the health of your sperm, then we're normalizing it for men. What I also appreciate a lot about legacy is historically, you would imagine that we are a team of all men, right? I think by default, most people would assume that we have historically been a majority female organization. Right now, I think we're around 50-50, but I think we're slightly majority female right now. I love the fact that so many women are excited to be part of a male fertility company working on rebalancing responsibilities around family planning. And I love that we're able to bring the female perspective into everything that we do because more than half of our team are women. Um, So that's one. The second is we actually do a lot of research. Uh, we do data analysis. So we funded studies with Harvard. Uh, we've published our own data. We've run nationwide surveys. You know, all of this is in the service. of getting more information out there about sperm and health and fertility um, and through that we're able to get media coverage and conversations with journalists and press and people just talking about a topic in a way that they wouldn't because that's how you get it into 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 the into the zeitgeist into into the way that people think is actually by having interesting and compelling data points that someone might want to write a story about you know, and so it's it's creating the product that will be attractive to men. Um, it's making sure that you have a healthy balance of me- male and female employees. It's funding that kind of research and development, and then frankly, it's about experimenting a lot with different types of messaging. And I'll give you a great example. So, at the health conference H L T H in Las Vegas last year, we wanted to do something a little bit cheeky.
0: This episode is brought to you by Vegamore. I'm always trying to do right by my body. So when it comes to my hair and scalp health, finding a product that actually works and is made with clean ingredients always seems like a trade-off. But with Vegamore, I get products that are made with clean ingredients and give me visibly healthy hair and scalp. With Vegamore, I am able to have noticeably thicker, fuller, shinier, longer hair, all without the harsh ingredients. Every cute pink bottle of Vegamore products are 100% cruelty-free, and are never formulated with potentially harmful chemicals like parabens or hormones. Okay, so I got my box of Vegamore products, and I've been using them all for the past month. The shampoo, the conditioner, the grow hair serum, the hair foam, the eyelash serum, the eyebrow serum. It's been about a month, like I said, and my hair really does feel stronger and thicker. Everything looks better. And the shampoo in particular, I have to say, smells really good. The key is consistency in your routine for your most beautiful, healthy looking hair. I use Vegamore Grow Hair Serum daily, and my hair and scalp are feeling better than ever. Here's another cool thing. Vegamore has these great value kits like the Grow Essentials Kit, where you get to try more than one amazing product at a time at great savings. So when you sign up for a monthly subscription, you save more and you never run low on the products that you need. And fun fact, guys, Vegamore sells one bottle of the Grow Hair Serum every 15 seconds on their website. That's how good this stuff is. So here is the deal, my beautiful listeners. For a limited time, you can get 20% off your first order by going to vegamore.com slash infertileaf and using code AF at checkout. That's V-E-G-A-M-O-U-R.com slash infertileaf, code AF. To save 20% on your first order. V-E-G-A-M-O-U-R dot slash infertile Code infertile Thanks, Vegamore.
1: If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound. And you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. And so we had four employees dressed up in sperm suits, okay. running around the conference, distributing pamphlets, educating people around male fertility. Okay. Now, while we were there, we filmed like, ai don't know if you've seen these TikToks. There's a guy called Billy on the street. So we filmed Billy on the street uh, style interviews with urologists, but it's a, we actually had a pregnant female employee wearing a sperm suit, interviewing men very seriously interviewing urologists about, you know, what do we need to know about sperm? And one of those we published on Instagram. It got, I don't know, six or seven million views. We had a number of those types of videos go viral. Um, You know, at South by Southwest, a couple of years ago, we had what we call the sperm mobiles. We did, you know, big ads outside where people could learn stats uh, around fertility. You know, we've done a lot of experimentation for April Fool's. I think this was one or two years ago. We had an April Fool's campaign that all of the major dating platforms were partnering with us, so that mm-hmm. folks should share whether or not they had tested or frozen their sperm. This okay. idea of like, hey, women are thinking about fertility, why aren't men? And so hey. we came up with all these cheeky names. You know, uh, it, it wasn't it wasn't Hinge, it was Fling, I think. You know, it wasn't Tinder, it was Ignition. It wasn't Grinder, it was Popper. Uh, okay. You know, and we we published that, and these are the kind of ways that we're just helping to change the conversation and the narrative around sperm and get people comfortable talking about it.
0: Totally. It's like you take the yeah. issue seriously, but not yourselves too seriously, Correct. right?
1: Like, exactly. Exactly. We're never, we're never flippant about right. sperm. Uh right. it is serious, but there's different ways that you can have that you can share that kind of serious messaging. Uh yeah. being sometimes a little bit cheeky or, you know, a little bit provocative.
0: Of course. I mean, I'm all for normalizing the conversation in whatever way it needs to happen. Right. right. Um, tell me, you know, one thing I'm gonna to touch on before that you when you started studying sperm, You know, I was thinking like women were born with all the eggs that we'll ever have, right? Right. So what is the stat on sperm? How often is it regenerated?
1: So sperm regenerates, the process of spermatogenesis takes about two and a half to three months. And so what that means is if you're making lifestyle changes today, it's going to be fully reflected in your sperm health, you know, over the next couple of months. Um, What surprises me and what I think most men don't know is that sperm counts and concentrations have gone down. By 50 to 60% over the last 40 years. That is a massive and terrifying statistic. Um, The author of that meta-study, Dr. Shauna Swan, published another paper earlier this year suggesting that the rate of sperm count decline was accelerating from about 1% per year to about 2.6% per year, right? And when you look at the trend lines, and I I don't want to be too alarmist and say that, you know, everyone's going to be infertile in a couple of decades, but if you look at the trend line, we are moving very quickly towards sperm count zero and sperm concentration zero, right? What, what many people call spermageddon. And most people just aren't aware of that. And in that world where you, by the way, everything we drink and eat and breathe and are exposed to right. is filled with chemicals, forever chemicals that we can't get rid of, BPA, PFAS, whatever, phthalates, right? What kind of impact is it having on right. our sperm?
0: It can feel yeah. really overwhelming when you start to think about all that stuff and like scary too, but Very if you break it down for someone who's listening, who doesn't really doesn't know that much about sperm and yeah. totally fine that people, yeah. you know, why would people, unless they're in this world, like we are, what are the major issues? Right. You mentioned BPA and phthalates. There's some yeah. things I guess that yeah. people can do to manage sperm health or like yeah. try, to, try to take care of it.
1: Yeah. So I'll, I'll start with kind of some of the high level issues that everybody should know. Uh, number one, uh, we talk about fertility as a woman's issue. Um, sperm is half the equation. Number two is sperm counts at a and concentrations at a generational level have halved. Right, so someone who's thirty years old today is half as fertile as someone who was thirty years old in you know the nineteen seventies or eighties. Right, that's wild. a scary thought. It is wild. wild. Number three is that every year you get older, your sperm quality goes down. We have a biological clock too; it's just slower. Number four, advanced paternal age, i.e., older dads, is associated with everything from having uh, increased risk of miscarriage uh, to increased risk of things like gest- gestational diabetes uh, to the mother, all the way through to higher rates of autism spectrum disorder for your kids, as well as schizophrenia and all other kinds of genetic conditions that are associated with increased DNA damage in your sperm when you get older. And so you take these all together. You layer in the fact that every day we are exposed to these forever chemicals that God only knows what they are doing to our body. To me, it is an absolute no brainer. You test your sperm today, make sure you've got sperm and freeze it to make sure you will continue to have sperm and healthy sperm. That to me is a no brainer. And for men who are to answer your earlier question, well, if you are thinking about improving your sperm health, well, your sperm health is actually extremely predictive of your overall health. It's your sperm quality is predictive of everything from how likely you are to get cardiovascular disease or certain types of cancer or even how long you're going to live. And so test your sperm, see where it's at, and then you can make lifestyle changes to improve your sperm. You can take supplements, yeah. right, to improve your sperm right. Um, and so you can do that to watch your sperm count and concentration and other factors go up over time,
0: yeah. So do you think it should be mm-hmm. kind of like a baseline yeah. thing that every guy does
1: is just I mean, it's ridiculous everything. that it's not. I mean, sorry, but if all it takes is for you to masturbate at home once, they're doing it anyway. If all it takes is to masturbate once at home, why isn't every single guy doing this? And by the way, we have right. had celebrities come through our door. We have had massive tech CEOs and right. a lot of folks whose names you would know have come through our doors right. uh, and frozen their sperm with us, right? right. Um, it's 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 a very fast growing market, but it should be every person who has sperm should freeze it. It's a no-brainer.
0: Yeah. And by would, the way, and, and, and I think it's like when you turn you know, 18, everybody should my just...
1: kit my kids, when they turn 18, I'm buying them a legacy kit. I will gift them a legacy kit. Yeah. That's why our website is givelegacy.com, which is yeah. give someone the gift of legacy. I will give legacy kits to my kids when they turn 18. That I is basically it. you're young, you're healthy, you are not yet off to you know the sex, drugs, and rock and roll of college. Um that's when I would want them to do it. Right. And I think I think the second best time from 18 is right now. Uh-huh. If you haven't done it when you were younger, just right. do it now.
0: Okay. So we've been talking about Legacy, but let's like just yeah. backtrack a little bit for people who might not know, sure. what is it exactly that you guys do?
1: Sure. Yes. Great question. So uh, Legacy helps you test and freeze your sperm through a mail-in kit. So you don't have to see a doctor. You don't have to go to a clinic. You produce a sperm sample from the comfort of your own home are your own
0: materials your own own
1: material however you want to do it we don't we don't judge we don't judge what you want to watch and how you want to watch it Um, we just say no saliva and no lubricants used because that can contaminate the sample otherwise have at it
0: yeah
1: Um, you don't have to go to a doctor you don't have to go to a clinic and we will pick up your sperm we'll test it we'll freeze it and whenever you are ready to use it whether that may be in a year 10 years or a hundred years, your sperm will be frozen at Legacy's cryogenic storage sites for future use.
0: Okay. So where are your storage Hmm. sites?
1: Yeah. So we actually store samples in multiple locations across the country. So this is um, our form of redundancy. What's shocking to me is we are the only company that does this. We will take your sample and divide it into two, and we will store half of your sample in one location in one state half your sample in another location in a different state. And this is to ensure that, God forbid, there's a natural disaster, there's a malfunction, something goes wrong. Because things can and will go wrong.
0: Yeah. You hear right? those whole stories of frozen eggs that, you know, there's a power oh, out. Yeah. And
1: oh tornado. yeah, hundreds yeah. or thousands of frozen eggs, frozen sperm, frozen yeah. embryos. These are people's future families. You can't take any chances with that. Right. And so we divide the samples, we keep them safe. And fun fact Sperm can be frozen forever. We believe Uh sperm has been unfrozen after 42 years and used to have twins.
0: Amazing. As far
1: as we can tell, sperm can live forever if it is frozen at negative 196 degrees Celsius.
0: Okay. So you mentioned before that you can tell, you know, other health factors based on sperm. Are you guys giving those kind of results at this point? Like if you're like, oh, you've got a risk of cardiovascular or something like that.
1: Not yet. Okay. Not yet. Our That's data set is now, we we are now the largest male fertility clinic in North America. As far as we know, we have one of the largest data sets around sperm and lifestyle in the world. Yeah. We are only just beginning to scratch the surface of what kind of data and insights we can get that we can now share right. with people.
0: Right. That's amazing. So are you guys down the road going to talk about egg freezing and embryo freezing as well? Or do you think you'll just stick with sperm? No.
1: Yeah. We are a sperm company. Okay, That's what we do. That's what we are best at. It is what we are uniquely positioned to be better than anyone else at. Okay. Um, and it's also interestingly, it's just, it's a different business model. Egg freezing is a much more in-person experience, right? You have brick and mortar clinics, you have embryologists or rei right. or, or what have you, right? Um, you're going through an extraction process. It's much really it more. <laughs> exactly. It's not a DIY. It's not yeah. a DIY. Whereas sperm is fairly DIY.
0: Yeah, totally. So let's talk about some of your competitors. You guys aren't the only, yeah. you know, company yeah. out there that's doing this. How do you guys yeah. differentiate?
1: Yeah. A number of ways. First is we're the earliest, we're the first, we're the largest, we're the best. That's the overly simplified version.
0: And you're the sperm king. <laughs> I am also
1: the sperm king that helps. This is my sperm kingdom. Um, so so first of all, is we have just established a layer of credibility that nobody else has been able to in the space. Um, we were founded out of Harvard. Uh, We freeze the sperm of the Navy SEALs. We work with the celebrities and the big name CEOs. Uh, We work with probably a hundred names that you would recognize. Um, We're covered by insurance. We have a national contract, for example, with United Healthcare. Uh, We work with all the major fertility benefits providers. We work with all the top clinics like Memorial Sloan Kettering, for example. You're not gonna find a fraction of that anywhere else. So that's why. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you wanna tell people the big news, Two is we've just established scientific credibility over time greater than anyone else. We have a medical team, right? We have the Legacy Research Institute. We're funding studies, we're publishing papers. We've had probably, I wanna say nine publications, which is frankly fairly impressive for, for a company of our tenure. Um, you know, So we've just invested a lot in scientific credibility and that work is overseen by our chief medical officer. And the third of which is we've just built a team that is that really cares about this, that is really empathetic. Our mission is to humanize the path to parenthood. That is why people show up to work every day, because they're excited to give compassion and humanity to a topic that otherwise feels so sterile and clinical. Um, right. And so when you're coming to Legacy, this is not a nameless, faceless entity. No, you're going to work with one of our three or four CX agents, and they're going to hold your hand through the entire process.
0: Mm-hmm. And I love too that you know, just from poking around your, your website and reading more about right. you guys, you're working with everybody. It's LGBTQ, you know that community. It's anybody, you know, who's using assisted reproductive technology. I right. find that really important to me as well. Just the diversity and the equality in terms of all of that. It's not we just have,
1: we have worked very hard on kind of the LGBTQIA plus community in yeah. trying to be as non gendered as possible on a topic that is typically quite gendered, right? Uh, and so we refer to parenthood, not necessarily fatherhood. We don't, if someone is trans, we don't use their dead name wherever we can. We use their preferred name. There's right. a lot of steps that we've taken to be very trans friendly and just friendly to kind of the, you know, the the, the LGBTQIA plus community more broadly. It yeah. Took a lot of time and work and effort, but it, it's something we're very proud of.
0: Right. We talked about this before we started recording last time you and I chatted, but yeah. tell me, where do you see legacy going in the next, you know, five, 10 years? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, for us, so the first is we're building a company that we want to take public. And the only way that we go public in the next five or six years is by building a company and a product that people need to use and want to use. Um, And so over the next five years, I see a lot of normalization around this topic. I see a lot of education, raising awareness. You know, I see us expanding internationally as well. I mean, infertility and fertility is not an American problem, it is a global problem. And when you look at falling birth rates around the world, the UK had their lowest birth rate in recorded history in 2018, and then again, I think in 2020 or 2021, you know, the birth rate in Germany, I think, is about 1.4 babies per woman. To put things in context, the replacement rate is about 2.1 babies per woman. That means your population size stays constant. South Korea, uh, that number is, I think, 0. 0.88 babies per woman, one of the lowest in the world. Japan is 1.1, so on and so forth. And so I see Legacy not just as an American company, but an international company providing a global solution to a global problem uh, and still focused on sperm everywhere. Sperm in every country, that's us. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so that's how I see us growing over the next five to 10 years. And and hopefully building out a suite of products that are all linked to sperm. How can we learn more from your sperm? How can we get you more information, more data? You know, our data set of 25 or 30,000 people, let's get that to 300,000 people. Imagine the insights that you can get when you have that much information about people. Right. Um, you know, and and how valuable that can be, either for someone who's trying to have kids, right? Or someone who's just, you know, wants to make sure that everything is is good and they want to check the box and freeze it and never worry about it again.
0: It's also fascinating. I feel like we could talk about this for hours and go deep into like a sperm wormhole. But just to sperm wrap hole. up. <laughs> sperm hole. Oh my God. Yes, exactly. A sperm hole. Tell me if anybody's listening and they're like, yeah. you know, trying to family build. Obviously, this is about. Infertility, for the most part, on um, my show, yeah. you know, what would you say to somebody who's, you know, really in it and having a really hard time,
1: yeah.
0: you know, just from what you've learned, like something that they can do or just something to hold on to? I,
1: mean, I think the first is just to recognize how difficult it is to feel like you're going through the process of trying to have a child with a person you love and feeling like it's just not working the way that you want it to. And and it's, it's a very anxiety-inducing period. It's a tough period. Right. And I guess, I guess what I just want to say is here at legacy, we very much understand that, right? We, we, we highlight client stories every week. We talk about it because you need to understand what people are going through. It sucks and yeah. it's tough. Um, you know, and hopefully there is light at the end of the tunnel, right? If, if you're in a heterosexual relationship, get your male partner tested, right? Make sure everything is working. You know, if you're just, a, if you're just beginning the process, you know, it's helpful to plan it. Plan a test for both of you. Try to understand where you're both at. How long will it take you on average to to be able to have a kid together? You know, if, if you are in the process of trying take supplements, go through lifestyle changes, you know, work out together, take these kinds of steps that will improve sperm quality in a way that it's much more difficult to improve egg quality. But for men, they have much more control over how healthy or unhealthy their sperm is. You know, and, and and I would say reach out at any time. We have a, you know, uh, we're, we're available always. We do free consultations. Uh, we're always very happy to talk to people who have questions. And, you know, we've been servicing the TDC community since inception, you know, five years ago. So we know this world better than just about anyone.
0: right everybody thank you so much to khalid and thanks as always for listening if you want to hear more go to givelegacy.com or if you want to find out more i should say and also if you want to check out my book you can go to slash books also check out fertilityrally.com if you're looking for a community and a safe space to land so many resources so many great things happening i really appreciate you guys listening week after week reach out if you need anything, sending you big love. Thanks so much. And I'll talk to you next time.